Let's go in the Word of God two places, Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20, and 2 Timothy 3. Exodus chapter 20. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you tonight for this opportunity we have to study your Word. Thank you for life. Thank you for grace that is imparted into each and every person, the divine ability of God to obey and to do what you've called us to do. Thank you for your help, your strength in Jesus' name. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3. As you know, if you've been with us over the last number of weeks, we've been teaching from this series called No Other Gods. No Other Gods. And I've still got the G on my page. It's a little g. Capital N, capital O, little g. Always remember that. (laughs) In other words, there is no God other than our God. But there are things that people have exalted to become gods in their lives. And this is a great hindrance to the believer's walk with the Lord. And, of course, like I said in the beginning of this, we want to have, because the Lord wants it to be this way, an exclusive relationship with Him. No third parties involved. All right? Anything else, even a, even a spouse or a, or a child or someone that is very dear and close to your heart, they must be so far removed from your relationship with the Lord. He is undoubtedly and needs to be very clearly identified as the supreme ruler of your heart. Okay? Not just kind of nip and tuck with, with anything else in life. And that's what will make your relationship with God flourish. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Everybody there? I know you've been there for a while, but I had to catch up while I was talking. Verse 1 says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So we know that the day in which we live, these are the last days, according to the book of Acts, that in our day, there are perilous times. Perilous times. Well, what, what would characterize our day? He said, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Of course, a lot in this list. We're not going to analyze each and every part, but we're focusing on one particular aspect and one particular characteristic of the last days because last, uh, the last couple of weeks we've been identifying specific gods or idols that can enter into people's lives. You remember we talked to you about materialism. Right, And then we talk to you about environmentalism. right? And tonight we're talking about hedonism. 
All right? Hedonism, which is, of course, the belief that pleasure is the highest good. It is about living for pleasure. And this is one of the things that, uh, that characterizes our day, that people would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Of course, there is a constant need that what it's talking about, this is a constant need for entertainment, a constant quest for amusement. People live for pleasure. What makes me feel good? I've got to have some input in my life that makes my life pleasurable. Now, this might be confusing to some, um, but how many know that in our day, people will spend multiple hours per day seeking personal gratification, personal uh, pleasure, and so forth. But they may spend only a few hours a month seeking God. And this is out of balance. And in our society and culture today, it's really out of balance. People spend so very little time seeking God. If we were to put it on a you know old-fashioned scale, it's like seeking God and seeking personal pleasure being a lover of pleasure. And that's, our society revolves around this stuff. A lot of our economy revolves around this. It's all about people uh, spending money and time and all their energy to, to feel good in some capacity, to be entertained, to be, to be amused. And, uh, and, and as believers, partially just because we're warned in the Word of God that this would be one of the signs and not a good sign, <laughs> goes along with all these other perilous things, that this would be a great hindrance in our lives with the Lord if we don't keep it in check. And I'm telling you, if we don't keep it in check, we're going to slide right down the slippery slope of this great deception and fall into the trap that so many in our culture do. Listen, it takes a continual effort to live for God in a culture that says live for yourself. It takes a constant refocus. You know what I'm talking about? Of getting our eyes back on the prize of Him, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If, uh, if we don't, we're going to go right along with the culture. We're going to slide right along with how everybody around us lives. And that produces lukewarm Christianity. It, produ it produces a, uh, a just kind of a lackadaisical approach to the things of God. And it's why so many times, again, people are so out of balance in this area. They spend so very little time seeking God and spend so much of their day and their week and their months seeking pleasure. And the thing is, it doesn't end up being pleasurable in the long run. I mean, we know this. The Bible even tells us that sin is pleasurable for a season. It feels good for a while. It brings some satisfaction temporarily. But what's the point there? Is that long term, it's going to bite you. Long term, it's going to come back and hurt you and harm you. But again... People are living for the quick fix. It makes me feel good now. It makes me satisfied today. And so they throw themselves into it, all of their energy into this pleasure. But let's talk about it for a moment to, to clear this up. Is pleasure good or bad? Is it a good thing? 
Is it a bad thing? Is it a righteous thing? Is it an unholy thing? Well, of course, you can't answer it so, so uh, you know, so black and white that it is all good or it's all bad. Because if you think about it, God talks a lot about pleasure. In fact, uh, in Psalm 16, in verse 11, you remember the scripture that talks about how in his presence there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Are we going to have pleasure in heaven? Absolutely. And should we, as believers, have pleasure here on the earth? The answer is yes. The answer is, man, if you really live your life from God, I don't mean there'll never be any, any hard times or he'll never ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. But I tell you what, you will have pleasurable times with the Lord. Okay, that is part of who he is, part of his character and nature, and it is part of what we are to experience. However, if that were the only thing to be said about this, we wouldn't be given this warning about the last days about people just being pleasure seekers and loving that more than they love God. Here's a, a, you know, a couple real, real clear ways to, to see the difference. If I have to sin to gain pleasure in my life, well, then I know that would be wrong. If I have to disobey God, go contrary to a specific or direct leading of the Lord to feel good, well, then I love pleasure more than I love God. Can you see that? I mean, isn't it clear from the Word of God? One of the ways that... uh, Uh, One of the things that identifies whether a person loves God or not by the the words of the Lord Jesus is whether we do what he says, right? The person who does what the Lord says, that's an indication that they love him. The, uh, The person that doesn't do what he says, that's an indication that they don't or they love themselves or they love pleasure or something like that more than him, right? We do understand this, right, that loving God is not just a warm feeling. Well, do you love God? Oh, of course I love God. I mean, when the music gets going, I just love. It's not when the music gets going. It's not when the anointing is so strong and present that you got goosebumps and whoo, man, I sure love God. No, you don't. You feel him. (laughs) You're experiencing his manifest presence and that feels good to all saved people. (laughs) All right. We all like that. That's wonderful. However, really identifying whether a person loves God is when they're faced with a choice to do right or to do wrong, to do what he says or to do what we feel like doing or or what our flesh is crying out for. That's when you really can see how much a person loves God. So let's not be deceived. let's Let's not just act like this is all about feel good. Thank God for feel good, but sometimes to obey God doesn't feel good. Can we be honest about that? Can we just be straight? Sometimes to obey God gets you out of your comfort zone. You make you have to do things that go, uh, that's not really what I really wanted to do. Amen. But of course, you know, payday's coming. When you obey God, payday's coming. It might not be, you know, every Friday. But payday's coming. And sometimes there is sacrifice, sometimes there is laying aside some things in the short term. But if you stay with the Lord, I tell you what, things are going to work out. Amen. You're going to be so glad you did. 
You're going to be so glad that, you're, that, that, you, that you crucified the flesh. Amen. And so, again, uh, if a person has to sin to please themselves, they've crossed the line. All right. If a person has to put the Lord on the shelf, so to speak, their relationship with God gets set aside in order to pursue certain activities that bring pleasure. Well, you've also crossed the line there even if it's not necessarily sin. Because a lot of pleasurable things are not sin. Like uh, Belgian hot fudge sundaes. <laughs> well, that's not sin, and it's pleasurable. <laughs> but how many know if a person has to set aside their relationship with God to pursue something, in other words, their prayer life, their their time serving the Lord, their time in, in service in church and stuff, if that all has to go downhill in order for them to pursue something, well, then they've crossed the line as well. Then that fine, God-ordained, pleasurable dessert just became a problem, just became a hindrance, just became an idol or a God in your life. Amen. Though it may not be with one person, it may be with another person. It depends on what they have to do to get it. Amen. Look at James chapter 4 with me. You remember we read this a little bit earlier in the series. I want to draw your attention to just to the first verse here again. Uh, before I say that though, before we read that, don't read ahead. <laughs> You already know what's there anyway, but uh, let's look at this word again, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It, I think it's important that we, um, whenever we use the word love, that we watch that it doesn't exceed proper boundaries. We are to love God. I think that it would be helpful to us if we would limit and be more specific at other times that we use the word love and use the word hate. I don't think we should be flippantly saying, I hate this. And I've done it. I've caught myself many times. Uh, uh, I, I just hate this. Well, how about this? Hate sin. Hate the devil. <laughs> hate darkness. Love God. You know, and, and then secondarily to that, you know, love your spouse or your kids, your family. You can love some things, but uh, I think it's important to have it uh, clarified in our mind because, again, the danger here is loving pleasure, not equal with God, not keeping them on the same plane, which would be bad, more than, more than God. And I want to watch out that I'm not letting my love be shifted so far that I've actually exalted these other things above the Lord in my life. Now, James 4 and verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? That's interesting. Why are you fighting so much? Why do people war? Why do people fight? Why is there so much conflict? He says it comes from your desire for pleasure. 
A person who gets this whole pleasure thing out of balance and they're constantly seeking entertainment, amuse me, make me feel good. This is what I live for. It's going to result in their relationships being damaged. It will result in there being conflict in their relationships. That's exactly what he said. Because this stuff comes from the flesh. Again, without going through this whole passage, the ultimate goal of the Lord here is for people to have and obtain what they want. But they get it all out of whack and out of order and go about it the wrong way. And therefore, it causes strife and it causes division and it causes problems in their lives. You know... Uh, unbalanced pleasure-seeking is definitely uh, very harmful uh, and has the potential to, to dominate your life and, uh, and dominate your focus. Um, sometimes drug users, will, they, they will break laws. They will do things that are, you know, they're really, they wouldn't do them normally. I mean, they have some character, but they got involved in some substance abuse but because their desire for that, it's like a desire for pleasure. It is a desire for pleasure in a, in a specific way. It becomes so strong, oftentimes a drug user will also become a thief. Know what I'm talking about? They'll also, I mean almost most of the time, they'll become a liar. Where prior to that, they weren't a liar. I mean, they were a truth teller. But this strong desire that's gotten so out of whack which of course any drug use would be wrong but uh, but their addiction got so out of whack so out of line that their desire to to have that feeling in their body and in their mind is so strong that they start breaking all kinds of other um, moral moral boundaries that they never would have done before basically to feed their habits proverbs 21:17 says he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. That's interesting. Of course, wine and oil here, that would be a form of or a type of a person gaining pleasure from those substances. He said, what happens? A person who loves pleasure is going to be poor. You know, even over, in, in, you don't need to look at this for now, but in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you know, the Bible speaks of, of course, that chapter is about the marital relationship. And, and one of the things that is, that is stated there, and, and you know, I've said this before in, a, in the other ser- series that we did um, called How to Be Happy and, and Enjoy Life. We talked about how God is happy, and one of the reasons we know that He wants us to be happy is because He created sex. Right? It wasn't a human concoction. It was something that God came up with. And, uh, and you can see that how that relates to this as well. God wants people to have pleasure. He wants it to be, of course, within the marital relationship. Uh, but He wants people to have a good time. <laughs> he wants people to have pleasure in many different areas. Sundays, sex, uh, all kinds of good stuff. And, uh, but even in that context there, if you, if you read there in the 7th chapter of 1 Corinthians... Uh, he, he, he even mentioned that sometimes a husband and wife may want to abstain for a period of time so they could give themselves to prayer. It's a form of fasting. 
his, his warning to them was, you know, don't let it continue. <laughs> let it be only for a specified time. Otherwise, you'll be tempted. Otherwise, you know, there'll be some other problems in your relationship. He said, only do it for a time. But I thought it's interesting. That's what's one of the things that he said, even at times you may want to abstain so that you can focus on prayer. Now, it has to be just side note. It's not side note. It's not my point here. This has to be in agreement. Don't one side or the other say, well, I'm fasting. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> okay, so just to bring some understanding and balance to that, get in agreement if you decide to do that. But, but notice this. Here's the point. Even something that is pleasurable, ordained by God to be, you know, free for all in marriage, you know, the marriage bed is undefiled, honorably before God. He said, even with that, it, I mean, this is God ordained. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's not out of bounds and might even could help a person for, a, you know, again, a specified period of time to lay aside something pleasurable. That's what, that's what fasting is about too. I mean, most of us like to eat, especially good food. We like to eat good food. That's why when you fast, you're denying yourself pleasure for a specified period of time well what's wrong with eating well nothing you you need to eat what's wrong with enjoying food you might as well enjoy it if you're going to eat it right that, that that's the way god created things however to deny yourself pleasure for a specific purpose for a specific time is a godly concept amen not talking about living a life where you're just every day is a sacrifice. Every day you're giving up something. Every day of your life you're just, well, I just don't want to have any pleasure. Well, no, you've missed the point. <laughs> Amen. God what does want you to have pleasure in your life, but to purposefully at times say no to yourself, turn off the TV, you know, to do things that deny yourself is a godly principle that will allow a person to actually increase spiritually. Amen. You're making a clear line in the sand that says, I am going to love God far more than anything else that I enjoy in life. Amen. Amen. We don't want to be those who just live for the next meal. Live for the next round of golf. Live for the next massage. <laughs> you know, live. we just live for the next vacation. Live for the next sexual thing. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. And all those things are fine. You know, I think people should play golf. <laughs> I, think, I think people should take vacations. I think these people should have nice meals. You understand where I'm coming from? But I don't want my life to be consumed by any of that. I don't want to live for it to where all day long all I can think about is my next meal. All day long all I can think about is my next, you know, amusement or entertainment of some kind. To where I hate my life and all I can think about is my next vacation. And don't get me wrong, look, I look forward to vacations like you do. And, uh, but again, my life can't revolve around that. I should literally... Be in love with God more than that stuff. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me show you a couple more things here tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, actually, 10. That's the last point I made. We didn't look at it. We, I just told you about it. Now you know the verse. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 7. It says, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. Now speaking about uh, Israel coming out of Egypt and on their way to Canaan's land. He said, As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, what this is referencing is, is, is back in Exodus chapter 32. You remember when Moses went up to get the commandments of the Lord and uh, the people started having a party because Moses was taking too long. They thought he's gone or something. So you know the whole story about how they brought their gold together and poof, a golden calf came out of the fire. Well, that's what they said. <laughs> but they made this golden calf, and they said, this is, our, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. And, and, uh, and, uh, but it's, it's interesting that, of course, that was idol worship. Uh, but what Paul mentioned here, like we saw before, that specifically uh, in Colossians 3, he said that covetousness was idolatry. Also, we can see that uncontrolled sensual pleasure is idolatry he cites here how uh, basically how these people if you look at it they were eating and drinking and rising up to play and that was considered idolatry in their lives not just the fact that they had the physical idol of that calf there likewise today many people are serving other gods whether it's money, whether it's some other thing, uh, or whether it's pleasure. Whether it's just living for sensual pleasure, and food can be an idol to people. Drink can be an idol to people. How do you know if a person loves somebody else? Just thinking naturally, uh, how, how, how do you know whether, you know, a husband and wife love each other, where a friend loves another friend, uh, something like that. How, how can you tell if someone loves? How many know, scripturally speaking, it's not just about the words? Love not in word, but in deed and truth, right? It's not just about saying it, although saying it is, you know, can be a good thing <laughs> to, to do. Uh, it's not just about that. But really, you can see a person's love for someone else by... Uh, the fact that they give their time to that person, both mental, you know, emotional time, and they give physical time, and they give their resources to that person. They're, what they've produced, they're doing it for that other, they're doing it for someone else. That shows love. When a person spends time with someone for their benefit, that demonstrates that they love that person. They're willing to make sacrifices, watch now, to bring pleasure to somebody else. They lay themselves aside, their own interests and wants from time to time to bring pleasure, to please somebody else. 
That is, a, that is an act of love. What if a person spends all their time and resources on themselves? Well, we could say, I think it would be fair to say, they are a lover of self. Their actions tell you that they love themselves. They are the most important person in their life, right? Love towards God, like we said before, is revealed in our obedience to Him, okay? Therefore, love of pleasure is revealed in our obedience to our desire for it. Does your desire for pleasure drive you to make foolish decisions? Does your desire for pleasure, do, do you sacrifice what is right and good for a temporary thrill? If so, you love pleasure more than God. You know, I was thinking just before the service, I would have read up on it, but I was thinking about uh, John McCain. How many know John McCain's story? Of Not, not his political story, uh, uh, but his story when he was, of course, in Vietnam. And I, I can't even get all the details right. But no matter what a person thinks of his politics today, I don't know anyone who, who doesn't admire some of the things that he did in the stand that he took when he was a soldier for our country. And how he could have, because he was brutally tortured for a number of years. Some of you probably know the details more than this, what they call Hanoi Hilton, Right? He was, a, he was a POW, and what I understand is he had the opportunity at one point to go. They, he had the opportunity to be freed and to come home and avoid a bunch of problems. But he chose, and this is where I'm not 100% sure, he chose because the rest of his platoon was there. Is that right? They were, because they were there, he said, no, I'm staying with them. And for the next, help me, maybe it was three years, somebody, maybe three more years, he was tortured. You know, and you see, you've seen him give speeches today, and, you know, he can't move his arms very well and all this stuff, because he was totally messed up, and that was so many decades ago. And he paid a price for his whole life. But I think that's an example of someone who absolutely wasn't living for pleasure. I mean, the sacrifice to be brutally messed up for years and tortured and starved and all this, uh, just live in horrible conditions. And, uh, I've, you know, some of you have seen him. I've seen him answer some of the questions of some of the things that they did to him. It's like, yikes, bad stuff. But that's an example of a person who's not living for themselves. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. We're going to wind down here. I'm going to show you. Well, let me show you a couple things and then we'll, then we'll finish up. But do we sacrifice what is right and good for a temporary thrill? There's often opportunities for us in life to give up what's eternal, to give up what's valuable, what's important, because it'll make us feel good now. We will experience pleasure now if we will sacrifice our our integrity or our morals or, our, or, or something. We'll get it now. 
And that's a big temptation, especially, again, in a culture that lives for pleasure, lives for entertainment and amusement. Come on, give it more to me. It takes a strong person to say, no, man, this is going to hurt me. This is not going to feel good now, but I know in the long run this is what I need to do. So I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to let my standards be my guide. I'm going to let my principles rule me in this situation. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18, again, it says here, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Now, you know, the last part of that almost doesn't sound too harsh. Man, they set their mind on earthly things. Yeah, that's bad. But, you know, we kind of all do that from time to time. But that's the end. You think about it. Go back. They set their mind on earthly things. I believe that's how they got to the place where they were an enemy of the cross of Christ. I mean, people don't just decide one day, especially those who know and believe the truth. You don't just decide one day to be an enemy of God. I'm going to be an enemy of the cross. No, you set your mind on earthly things first. And that trickles down. And pretty soon you, your, your belly becomes your God. What, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? It means you simply live for your own fulfillment and satisfa- satisfaction. You live for your own pleasure. You live for your own feel good. And that becomes more important. And eventually you won't have anything to do with the gospel and the cross of Christ. In fact, you'll be on the other side of this whole thing if you continue down that path. Loving pleasure is not just a a phrase like, yeah, we need to watch out. This could end up tragically in your life if you you let that be allowed to grow and to increase more and more. You eventually, all you do is live for yourself. And as as many of you know, selfishness is a key pathway to being miserable. It is a sure pathway to, mis- to being miserable in life. That's kind of another, another subject, another message, but you can see how it relates. Look at Romans 16. This basically is similar to that, that same verse there. But these people whose God is their belly, they live to satisfy themselves and not God. In Romans 16, verse 18, he says, uh, for those who are such, those are the ones of the previous verse, you know, they cause divisions and so forth. Those are such who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Again, we got people serving their own belly. Whether that's just a over-attraction to food, could be, but I think it's really a broader thing than that. It, that phrase is used just to show that there are people that simply just live for themselves their own pleasure and satisfaction and these are the same people if we get the context who cause divisions offenses that are contrary to what they have learned these things trickle down and become a big problem in relationships in churches we need to be a selfless church and are we okay with entertainment yeah but we're also very savvy to the fact that we know it can be dangerous. Just like we talked about previously, does God want you to prosper and be blessed and have more than enough? Absolutely. All through the Word of God. Is there any danger in it? 
Yes, there is. Some get their eyes on the stuff, get their eyes on the material things, and it ends up hurting, ends up causing problems. Have it, enjoy it. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. That kind of fits with pleasure too there. But watch, but watch out, because there can be danger in any of these things getting out of line. If we were to ask what pleases us, that's a good question. What, what brings you pleasure? Well, I think it's interesting to think about this. What brings God pleasure? What pleases God? There are numerous things in the Word of God that, uh, that He shares with us. God is pleased with your prosperity. Think about it. Whose? Yours. Mine. According to the, according to the Psalms. He's pleased with, with, with faith. When you trust Him, when you have faith in your life, that brings pleasure to God. When you fear Him, you can look these up. There's scriptures along all these lines. It, Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I find it interesting that what gives God pleasure I see it over and over in the Word. It all has to do with what's happening in us. Not something that he says, I take pleasure in my gold streets. In my heavenly abode. Now, I'm sure he does. You know, I mean, he created it. He, he, has, he must like it. Created it the way he wanted it. Must like it. But that's not what's revealed to us. That's not the focus. Seems to be the focus of God finding pleasure is in somebody else. And I think we can have our priorities in line and keep God number one all times if we will take pleasure in somebody else. It's not that we don't like a good massage <laughs> or a good dinner or something else that makes us feel good. But really, I find pleasure in Him. Psalm 37, remember that? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. What, what, what do we mean by that? Find pleasure in Him. Find pleasure in being with Him, in, in spending time with Him, in learning His ways, in having a walk with God. If you'll find pleasure in that, watch, He gives you pleasure. In other words, the desire of your heart is fulfilled when you find your pleasure, your delight in Him. And I tell you what, God's all about people. If we can find pleasure in serving, find pleasure in worship, find pleasure in, in kingdom activity, in God's business, we're protected from it ever getting out of line. Always go back and find your pleasure there. That's the way the Lord does it. I think that's the way we ought to do it too. Amen. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you. You're so good to us. You're so good to us all the time. Father, I thank you now for this word. You're not... I, I don't sense that this is being given through me as a rebuke as necessarily even a big corrective word tonight 
Father, I, I, I sense that you're giving this word out of love. You've given me these things, shown me these things out of love to protect us from harm, from fights and wars among us, to protect us from the dangers and the ills that reside in the earth today that are sapping the life out of many people. And how many relationships are going down the tubes because of priorities being out of line. Because of not recognizing the danger of the Spirit behind those who love pleasure more than God. Father, I see and recognize here tonight that you're helping us to stay fine-tuned in our perspective, in our focus, and in our seeking of you at all times. So that down the road, a year from now, and multiple years from now, we will walk in your delight. We will walk in the desires of our heart fulfilled, but they won't be a danger to us. They won't be out of line. But they'll be right in their proper place as gifts from God given to us to enjoy. Lord, we love you tonight. We commit our whole heart and lives to you. And thank you for helping us to walk closely with you all of our days. We give you praise. We give you thanks for this. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for any person, for all those who have come tonight. For those who aren't saved, those who don't know you, those who wouldn't make heaven if they die, Lord, draw them to yourself, I pray. Show them your love and acceptance in Jesus' name. This evening, before we finish up, with no one looking around, just in respect to those around you, most important prayer right now, most important time. If you've come to service tonight, come to Life Church, but, but you've never received the Lord as your personal Savior.